I don't know if you know this about me. If if you're just turning tuning into the podcast for the first time, I am a karate teacher. I'm a karate practitioner. I'm a martial artist. Uh, I own a gym, CrossFit coach. I teach martial arts, kickboxing, karate, some jujitsu. Um, and through all my study and everything I do, I keep coming back to Masayama, uh, Sosei Matsutatsu Oyama, otherwise known as Masayama, progenitor of Kyokushin Karate, the strongest karate. Welcome to the Warrior Mindset Podcast. We're your guide as you make your way through life, getting better 1% every day. We believe that life is lived and true victory won through adversity. Nothing easy is ever worth it. We believe in the warrior ethos and support those that choose to walk that path. Was recently able to pick up one of his books. Most of his books are out of print, I believe, but I was able to pick up this one. Um, I bought it online. This is Karate um, by Masayama. Um, this book is incredible, and I am I have been studying through this, and I plan to pull out as much as I can. There's a couple of sections that I really want to get into with this book. But first, I did an episode on Masayama. I think a year ago at this point, um, I, you know, I don't want to go through, I don't want to just rehash this thing of, you probably know that I'm kind of a fan at this point, but I don't want to just rehash this. Um, go back and listen to that. It, it, that one goes through a lot of his history, um, his biography and stuff like that. And some things that inspire me. So I, what I really want to do today is get into why I'm so inspired by this person and and what he's brought to the martial arts world and his book and some other things you know quickly speaking about him and through this older post um you know it, it's important to know that he is he is by birth a korean by way of japan right so he went and trained in japan he trained um with uh uh funikoshi's uh one of his sons i believe um trained shotokan and you know when maybe it was his koreanness or whatever it got him uh kind of feeling like a loner in that thing so i think that's really early on what helped kind of drive him to creating his his thing he also joined the uh military um on the the korean side he wanted to be a fighter pilot and and something happened he couldn't he couldn't really do that so you know, he he did wind up getting in a lot of fights and things with GIs and everything. So, you know, there's a lot of background there. Go check out that podcast, listen to that. Um, the other important thing is his training and his mindset on his training. And this is one of the inspiring things. This man trained uh, on a mountain by himself for like 18 months. Uh, he he had a sponsor or whatever he but he spent i think he did it twice if, if my memory serves correctly he wanted to do three years and he had to split it up because of money or whatever but he he trained on a mountain by himself for 18 months that in and of itself is remarkable 
in terms of his mental ability to do that. Uh, the other thing is that if you think about him wanting to test himself, I mean, I can't imagine 18 months living like that. We, I, I had the distinct honor to do a seven-day um, retreat test or whatever. You might want to think about that. Um, seven days camping out in the woods, basically. And that was life-altering as well. I can only imagine what 18 months would be. But, you know, for the modern human, probably not very practical. Uh, some of the listed training, grueling training methods, I would say, uh, practicing techniques of meditating under freezing cold waterfalls. You know, we've investigated that in other podcasts here, other episodes here. You know, the the Shugyo style training where with the monks under the waterfalls and things, jumping over bushes and boulders repeatedly, um, you know, jumping, probably jumping and kicking sort of a thing, um, using trees and rocks as makiwara to condition his hands and arms and legs and feet. And the makiwara is a traditional Okinawan uh, practicing a body conditioning practice tool where, you know, it it's like punching boards. It gets your hand hard harder so that whenever you actually use them they are they are like weapons and it's said that uh so uh oyama's hands and feet were like weapons uh one of his nicknames was indeed god hand which he got from fighting bulls which we'll touch on a little bit uh running up and down steep slopes i mean he's running up and down the mountain lifting heavy rocks things like that getting stronger so not only is he he's training in the wilderness on the side of a mountain he's also practicing his martial arts and stuff at the same time, building his mentality that then he can then take back out to the world. Uh, noted that he would get up about five in the morning and start training all day, eight or nine hours. And then at, at night he would read uh, extensively from, uh, you know, Buddhist texts, Zen texts and other training manuals and things like that and meditate. From this, we get, Kyokushin Karate. Uh, and one of the pieces of that Kyokushin Karate is uh, testing, right? Testing yourself. I think, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not as scholarly as I would like to be, but I think that a lot of our, you know, testing, modern testing and stuff now probably comes from that a good bit. Um, you know, he's, he's known for it. I, he also, along those lines, devised, uh, if I remember right, the 100-man fight, 100-man kumite. Kumite is the uh, Japanese, you know, karate word for fighting, where he would fight 100 men in whatever rounds they were um, in a row. And I think it took like three days. That's it's intense. Uh, a couple of people have done that since he did it, but he did it first, and and I believe he was planning like a three hundred man kumite or something like that. But um, I don't I don't think he ever did that. He was known for his toughness. It's said that if you blocked one of his strikes, you would be injured uh, because of you know just the force and the body conditioning that he had done. Uh, yeah, so. He did the three-day kumite, the 100-man kumite. He was injured or he got hurt, but he continued anyway um, and was going to do a fourth day. <clears throat> but uh, rumors that it didn't happen because every no one really wanted to fight him anymore because he was so damn obstinate and tough. Uh, 
Um, he fought bull, uh, rumored 50 times, 50 plus bulls over the course of his lifetime. And supposedly he would cut off the horn. Uh, and I think he it's rumored that he killed a couple um, with one strike, uh, which gives him the nickname God Hand, which is his nickname. Uh, you know, cruelty to animals aside, um, there's some videos of him doing that we can take a look at. Uh, you know, one way or the other, he did you know, wrestle a bull. So that is actually a real thing that he did. Um, how are you feel about that? Uh, you know, he he suffered throughout the end of his life. He had osteoarthritis real bad. Uh, in, in, despite that, he never quit training. He always still demonstrated, which included breaking, sparring, and all that stuff. So even until the end, um, author of over eighty books. So he died at seventy in Japan from lung cancer because I believe he smoked a lot. All right, so that's some little background. Go listen to that other podcast. Get all the background you want. Please research the guy. Incredible. So inspiration that I've gained from him over the years. Some things go in. Whatever you're doing, go all in 100%. Give it everything you have. He did this in everything he did from his training, training in solitude on the mountain, to joining the military. I mean, he wanted he wanted to be a kamikaze pilot, which is, you know, ultimately sacrificing everything. And, you know, the lesson there is if you're not putting in your best, then, you know, uh, you're not fully committed. Another one is be your best even when at your worst. Okay. So no matter what's happening, to you, whatever situation you find yourself in, always be the best version of you you can be. Whether you're winning, whether you're losing, always represent yourself the best light. Okay. Uh, an another uh, tag on to this is uh, that Oyama, uh, Masayama says, never show them you're tired, right? So it kind of goes in line with that. They may beat you down, but don't let them win, right? Your competition, your competition may beat you up and down, but show them you're determined to survive and win, and you will win the battle. Uh, that's a that's a really one. I, I see a lot of people when we're having fighting class or whatever, they, they are showing that they are done. They're showing that they're exhausted. And by showing that you're done, you know, your opponent has already won because they know where you stand. All right. Uh, he has some quotes and things, and, and I do want to get into this book in a second, but there's some things I want to get through first. He has, I'm going to call them ideas or quotes or whatever that I'm just going to read, and then we'll, we'll kind of pick them apart a little bit. Karate is the most zen-like of all the martial arts. It has abandoned the sword. This means that it transcends the idea of winning and losing to become a way of thinking and living for the sake of other people in accordance with the way of heaven. Its meanings, therefore, reach the profoundest levels of human thought. I see, and this is, you know, 
40s and 50s or whatever when he's coming up with this stuff. So there was no UFC. There was no mixed martial arts. I see so many people on social media. Someone will present a video of a teenager practicing a kata or technique. And there will be hundreds of comments of what look like grown men commenting that, well, that'll never work in a fight or try that on me or whatever. And, you know, you look at their profiles and it's like, you know, these are, these are like, I call them couch captains, you know, armchair quarterbacks at best. And if you truly like kata aside, whatever, if you truly practice karate and you make it, your life. It has profound results. Becoming a true martial artist has profound results in your humanhood <laughs> than just being a, a brute fighter, your average mixed martial artist, right? They're only focusing on like one aspect of it. You know, I know it's martial arts. There's the martial aspect and there's the art aspect. And it the beauty is in combining the two. If we only focus on one, whatever side that is, you're not, you're not complete. You're not, you're not a real martial artist. You have to, you have to put the two together. Another one. For a long time, I have emphasized that karate is budo. And if the budo is removed from karate, it is nothing more than sport karate show karate, or even fashion karate. The idea of training merely to be fashionable. So there you go. That's sort of the one side of it, right? Karate is a lot of things. His karate is a lot of things. It is an art. It is a martial science. You know, it is fighting. It is self-defense. It is Zen. It is life. It is all those things. If you remove the one aspect that he is, you know, the testing, the Budo, like the, the, the warrior aspect of it, then it is nothing more than sport or, you know, mental fashion, if you will. Credit that has discarded Budo has no substance. It is nothing more than a barbaric method of fighting or promotional tool for the purpose of profit. No matter how popular it becomes, it is meaningless. I think there's a lot of martial arts that find themselves in the same boat, whether it is the, you know, the McDojo that's that's promoting, you know, kids to black belt for, you know, pay, or whether it's the jujitsu studio that doesn't quite know where it fits in the world of martial arts. So, you know, they're just sort of randomly promoting people based on whatever gut feeling someone has if you discard the warrior aspect, the living life as a warrior, Budo, then there is no actual substructure to it. It is all just fighting. It is all just one dimensional. And I agree with him. At that point, it becomes meaningless. Uh, mind, body, spirit. Uh, he was alone on the mountain. Like I said, legend says he trained eight to 12 hours a day, seven days a week. There was no one there to push him or critique him. He 
was on his own. He had to find out who he truly was to endure it. Physical training also trains your mind and spirit. Focus, determination, discipline are all parts of the puzzle. When I was out for seven days, I didn't do one bit of karate other than we sparred for a little bit. But I was still practicing in terms of practicing my budo in that I would never give up on tasks that we were working on. And I would support others in their tasks that they were working on. So when you think about him being on that mountain, it is not just about him showing off how tough he is. It is about him truly testing himself to become something he wants to become. Putting that puzzle together. Whether it's for himself or whether it's for the ultimate goal of bringing that back down to others remains to be seen. But I'm glad he did it. Simplify. If you study his, if you study Kyokushin karate, uh, you know, he believed in terms of katas. If you're a karate practitioner, you'll know what I'm talking about. But in terms of that, you'll, you know, if, if you live the lifestyle, you'll run into people that know 20, 30, 40 katas. But they're not necessarily really any good at all of them. And then you'll meet people that know 10 to 12 to 15 or whatever. And they're really good at them. So he leaned in that direction, removed, removing what he thought was extraneous, you know, techniques, katas, whatever. He removed what he thought was the fluff. And he focused solely on those things, perfecting the basics within them. So why learn 12 different ways to throw a punch. Why not learn one or two and become really powerful with that one technique and practice all the things around it? I tend to agree with that too. All right. He has, uh, there are these 11 mottos and I want to read through those. The 11 mottos of Masayama. The martial way begins and ends with courtesy. Therefore, be properly and genuinely courteous at all times. We have a similar one in uh, Funakoshi's precepts, which is do not forget that karate do begins and ends with Rei. This is very similar. I like that he made it first as well. Uh, we always begin everything we do with uh, respect and courtesy. Okay. We end it that way too. Without that, it's just brutality. Two, following the martial way is like scaling a cliff. Continue upwards without rest. It demands absolute and unfaltering devotion to the task at hand. You ever been uh, mountain climbing? You ever done any of that climbing? You have to commit when you're training. You have to commit to when you're doing it. When you're in class or when you're practicing, practice it. Devote your attention to it. Don't go through the motions thinking about your phone. Number three, strive to seize the initiative in all things, all the time guarding against actions stemming from selfish animosity or thoughtlessness. Under, this is my interpretation. Understand the why and the who you're doing it for or doing it with and protect yourself from 
feeling jealous because they might be better or superior because you might be better. I had a conversation with someone. I had, a, I had this conversation a couple of times about uh, backhanded compliments. Have you ever received a backhanded compliment? You know, one that's like, hey, that was a good job for someone who's a beginner. Like, why can't you just say, hey, that was a great job? Why do you have to add on that modifier, right? Because you're complimenting them, but you're also lifting yourself up with that modifier. And it is backhanded and it's passive aggressive. Don't do that. Number four, even for the martial artist, the place of money cannot be ignored. Yet one should be careful never to become attached to it. That's a that's a very um, Musashi way of looking at things. Um, in my opinion, I, I agree. He's not saying that you shouldn't make money. But what he's saying is you shouldn't become the slave of it, right? That's how we get McDojo's. The martial way is centered in posture. Strive to maintain correct posture at all times. That can be physical and spiritual, emotional. You know, work on those things. Number six, the martial way begins with 1,000 days and is mastered after 10,000 days of training. The 10,000 10, kick rule, you know, Bruce Lee had a saying that I fear not a man who has practiced 10,000 kicks one time, but I'm truly scared of the man who's practiced one kick 10,000 times or something along those lines. True mastery is had after whatever the number, lots of time. The old the old ways, Okinawan old ways had a saying of like one year, one kata. So one year to train and practice one thing before you really begin to understand it. I don't disagree. Number eight, the nature and purpose of the martial way is universal, Budo. All selfish desires should be roasted in the tempering fires of hard training. When in doubt, train, train hard. Feeling depressed, go train. Feeling overly successful, go train. Training can be humbling and uplifting at the same time. Anyone who's done jujitsu for real knows what I'm talking about. 10, the true essence of the martial way can only be realized through experience. Knowing this, learn never to fear its demands. As we get through our training in life, we begin to look back on it and we learn those lessons. You can only learn those lessons by going through that fire. So, for example, a rank test. Don't fear it. Embrace it. Go through it. And the lessons on the other side are so much more rewarding than worrying about it. And oftentimes you'll look back and miss it. When I think about my own testing journey, um, you know, I only really had five rank tests before I then tested for Shodan First Degree Black Belt. And I, it's kind of sad, and I'm, I'm like seven or eight years removed from that, but it's kind of sad now to think back and think that, well, I'll never have another underbelt test again, you know? But the feelings of fear and trepidation I had before each one of them were almost overwhelming. It's just kind of a funny conundrum. The last one. Always remember in the martial arts, the rewards of a confident and grateful heart are truly abundant. I think that's self-explanatory. But if you are truly there and you are truly authentically you through your training, through your journey, 
then that can come true. Um, karate extends beyond the dojo, and karate is a lifelong pursuit. Those are two of Funakoshi's guiding principles, and it seems like Oyama's sort of em embracing those as well. And remember, he trained under the train in Shotokan under the Funakoshi family. All right. I want to take a look at this book a bit. Um, again, I, I was able to get this thing secondhand. It's been, you know, I got it from this this person. This is really cool, actually, that it's got his, um, you know, International Karate League uh, little stamp in here. I'm not sure why he would, why someone would get rid of it, but, uh, you know, it's pretty cool. So I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but I, I want to go through some of the highlights here and then look at some of the special training sections that I find particularly um, inspiring in here. Uh, okay, so in this first bit here, we've got these these really cool pictures. I mean, this is this is incredible over here. Um, and then this is this is Oyama. I believe this is Oyama here himself, with the perfectly developed strength and speed of the whole body. The Karate Man. I think we'd say you know person nowadays, but the Karate Man can extinguish a candle with only the force of his strike, with the knife hand, four fist, inverted fist, or knife foot. A strike to just in front of the candle will create enough air force to put out the candle. Probably only one man in a thousand can do this if the candle is thicker than one inch. I've done this. I didn't get this from this book. I got this from someone else. And I do the candle test in some of my, my rank testing with my students. And it is amazing um, to watch them try and try and try. And then, you know, someone's able to do it. It's the, it's the force of your punch. Um, working together it's, it's an incredible test well, let's see here uh yeah so uh, there's a there's a whole bunch of talk in here a whole bunch of sections on proper breathing um you know and he he actually goes through a few exercises and things and talks about how to do this and how it's useful and everything and i, I think a lot of that gets really uh, glossed over in a lot of training i mean i know that uh, you know, I had I had achieved black belt in karate before I started my jujitsu journey, and you know, getting some of that uh, different uh, athletic utilization of my body doing jujitsu, um, you know, and then and then asking them about breathing and stuff, and them just like I don't know, you know, take a big breath before you do something, um, you know, it's not very helpful. Uh, I I like this aspect of it and really delving deep into you know, breathing and, and how, how to utilize that. Um, all right. So the special drill section, this section is really cool. Uh, and, and this is, this is what I, this is why I got the book because I couldn't find these things anywhere else. And I thought they were particularly, uh, insightful in, uh, the different types of drills, like along with the candle thing. Uh, he's got one, uh, the paper thrust, uh, it, and he's using uh, rice paper, so he's he's trying to get you to use your knife hand or whatever, or the punch or the knife hand to go through the paper. And you know, I, I've seen some some of this training in person. I've seen some people doing this, um, you know, doing the the knife hand through the paper. And, it, and it's in, it's not as easy as you think it would be. You've you've really got to get the force right. Uh, there's a lot of stuff here. Uh, you know, talking about uh, toughening the fingers and the, the knuckles and how to start that journey. He's, he's got a, a, a container full of soybeans here, which is a, you know, an interesting 
substrate to start with. You know, I, I've done sand and little little rocks before, and uh, you know, I've done the makawara as well. But the soybean is something that's interesting, and, and I'm actually investigating building one of these for my dojo right now because I think it I think it could be very useful uh, through to the you know the water like putting the board on top of the water. Um, you know, one is just punching the water, like thrusting through water, but the other is trying to break that board while it's floating on water. Uh, that is one I'm, I'm really itching to test out. Here's the candle again. You know, there's a there's a sword. I've seen a sword, a, the the katana slice on the flame where you have to you have to hit the the space between the flame and the candle. Uh, you can't obviously can't the candle itself, and you don't want to hit the flame directly. Because won't necessarily go out, but you're kind of cutting that stem, and then, you know, just using the the various aspects of, you know, your your attacks everywhere from the the kick to you know the punch here, and this one is the one that I've done in terms of uh, testing my students. Uh, there's a couple, you know, there's some tricks that they have in here, you know, kicking a cigarette out of somebody's mouth. That seems like a very uh, 60s or 70s type of thing to do, and you know, kicking something off someone's head. You've seen that on uh, Instagram a lot. That's really funny. I don't recommend doing that unless you really, really can do that because uh, you know, kick kick your partner in the head. It's, it's not really, it's not really good. And and this is insane here. <clears throat> Catching an arrow out of the air. Uh, you know, they're obviously they're not shooting the arrow directly at the person. The person standing kind of off to the side, and the arrow is coming, um, right right beside them, and they're snatching it out of the air, which I guess demonstrates their hand-eye coordination and speed, uh, which relates to, you know, that that age-old uh, Kudo uh, archery from Japan, which is a whole a whole thing in and of itself, which is really worthy of some study. But that one, that one's really, really interesting. And I might, I might, along with the, the uh, board on the water, I might also want to play with this one. This one's really, really cool. Um, and then there's a whole chapter on breaking stones and bricks and things and, and, and boards and stuff and how to how to really look at that and understand the science behind it, you know, uh, the, the speed and the point of contact and stuff. Um, it's really interesting, uh, the breaking. And, you know, I, I, I'm not really, I don't really want to make a huge commentary about uh, breaking in, you know, sport karate nowadays. I, I do feel like a lot of it is kind of silly. It is... Uh, it is turned into, as some have described it, a clown show, because I don't think they're really truly breaking things for real. I know, I know there are a lot of tricks like pre-scoring the wood or, or you know, baking your own bricks so they're more brittle. Um, I've done some breaking, and I'll try to cut in a video here of me doing something um, where I, I broke two, uh, you know, bricks straight from Lowe's. With no spacer, if I remember right, and they only lit them on fire, which was kind of fun to do that. It didn't really have any effect on it or whatever, but um, I did those. And there's definitely some uh, technique to it in terms of not necessarily physical technique, but approach, mental approach. You know, and at the time I I practiced it, I did my elbow, I did you know some some hand breaking on the bricks. I, I broke two, one a couple times, and then two just in training to get ready for it because I did this in front of people. And, um, you know, the, the times before when I was on my own, I definitely, 
felt the impact. But the time when I was in front of everyone doing it, I didn't feel a thing because just of the, you know, my mental approach to it, I was, you know, not going to fail. Like that's what I was telling myself. And it just went through like butter, which is, you know, I think part of when it comes to breaking or this, you know, testing of yourself in this way, I think, I think there's a lot to it with that. You know, lots of different things. Speed approach. They got a lot of, you know, aerial and jumping and stuff, which is which is interesting. And then, you know, he's got this one thing where he's breaking this brick, right? Where he's one of the little red bricks, you know, which is a lot harder. It's it's just a lot more dense. It's smaller, you know, and it's incredible. And then river rocks and stone stones and things. It's, it's uh, truly, truly attested to those things. And then, you know, breaking down ways to approach them and look at them and pick the right things. You know, he's really, really studied this stuff and gone into it. And I imagine in the ice, man, that would be really cool. And I imagine, uh, you know, spending 18 months on the top of a mountain would, would let you really practice this stuff and think through it. There is another really cool one, the bottle. And if you are a fan of the Karate Kid, you remember that Mr. Miyagi, they were training on the beach and they were, he came across a couple of, you know, rednecks who were being racist and they had some bottles sitting on his, his sweet, sweet ride of a classic truck. And, you know, they told him to move them himself and he just kind of chopped the tops of the bottles off with his, uh, with his, you know, his, uh, I believe it, I believe he used a, a Suda, which is a palm up open, open knife strike type thing. Um, that was a real thing that that Oyama and Kyokushin practitioners do. They they do this. They, you know, crack the top of these bottles off. <clears throat> you know, there's a, there's a whole section in this book about it, how to do it and stuff. There's some really cool other things in here. You know, applications and and self defense for women. You know, very very forward thinking. You know, and then you know some some other parts in here like uh, you know the significance of this stuff, you know, um, the importance of calisthenics, karate for building spirit and spiritual unity and approach, like the real meaning of karate. And uh, let me read a little, little bit here. Breathing methods are essential to spiritual unification, which in turn is essential to concentrating power for display of superhuman strength. All of these things are vital to karate. We can reverse this and say that karate brings spiritual concentration, which depends for its life on breathing methods. Breathing methods bring relief from fatigue, make weak men healthy, and prolong the human life expectancy. Everything from your uh, work, your cardio, your preparation, your working out, your training, right? That's There's breathing involved in that, all the way to harnessing the breath when breaking and testing yourself and sparring and working through your katas and things. Breathing is very important. And, you know, often I think in a lot of modern martial arts and things, we don't break it down to that level because we're commercially wanting to give people something, you know, we, we're, we're scared to just have someone come for a private lesson for an hour and pay a hundred bucks and just sit there and practice breathing, you know, because we're afraid of their interpretation of that. Um, you know, everything from, from how to do these formal breathing exercises to, you know, uh, 
karate and the martial arts and you know um his interpretation of things in terms of you know where it sits the most important thing in karate is the formal exercises within them all of the defense and offense techniques are woven together for this reason we must know perfectly their analytical significance we must practice them correctly perform kata exactly actual combat is another matter that is one of funakoshi's guiding principles and he is basically saying that here that you need to practice every aspect of your martial art and practice it precisely and correctly and investigate the significance of all the details that's definitely not commercial in approach that is definitely uh old school right uh yeah and so you know then then it goes into like all this stuff like here's here's the contract some formality section the contract that you have um when you start training kyokushin it's this it's this promises you make and go through um the training hall oath we will train our hearts and bodies for a firm unshaking spirit we will pursue the true meaning of the martial way so that in time our senses may be alert with true vigor we will seek to cultivate a spirit spirit of self-denial we will observe the rules of courtesy respect our superiors and refrain from violence we will follow our gods and buddha and never forget the true virtue of humility we will look upwards to wisdom and strength not seeking other desires all of our lives through the discipline of karate we will seek to fulfill the true meaning of the way man it's pretty cool all the way down to the bylaws and stuff and down to um you know testing judging shall be held twice once in the spring and once in the fall according to the decision of the officers committee and the board of directors these judges will determine the class and grade of the students and will be the occasion on which students will receive certificates attesting to their skill. I've long thought of just having two tests a year, and I think I'm going to do that in my own dojo. I think I'm going to follow this old school advice and just test them twice a year. Um, I think that I feel like testing my students, you know, when it's convenient for them or when they want it or when I can fit within their schedule is nice but at the same time they have to adapt to this if 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 it's something that you want you will make it work right and i think that's something that's a really good lesson that you know young people and adults can learn so there's a lot here um there's a there's a whole lot here and you know i wanted to go through that and really break it apart what things I'm inspired by this book. I'm in love with this book. I've read it once through. I'm reading it again. I'm, I'm picking out notes, as you can see. Um, and we're going to see where this leads. So this is my part two of Masayama and my fanboying over this man and what he brought. And I don't want to look any further into um, his personal stuff. I don't, I don't really want to know any more about him personally because you know it's sort of like never meet your heroes i feel like any deeper investigation i make into this into him as a man might be stuff that i don't want to and i just want to keep it on the surface of this uh budo of this karate practice and i think if i keep it there you know i can i can pull some good stuff out of it and that's where i am i hope this was cool i hope this introduced you to something maybe you haven't thought of before and uh yeah so do more of these please hit the like and subscribe it really helps
And as always, thank you for spending your time with me. I'll catch you guys later.